You are listening to your new puppies podcast, starting you and your dog off on the right paw. Here's your host, Debbie Salento. Why, hello and welcome to episode two of your new puppies podcast. We're going to talk about today is which dog is right for you. This is the second part of the two-part series. Episode one was about, are you ready for a dog? Where we talked about five questions to ask yourself to decide if you are ready to get a dog. So this one follows up saying, okay, if you're ready, now which dog is going to be right for you? We're going to talk about different qualities, different traits that a dog can have. I have 10 specific ones that I'm going to talk about but there are hundreds. And just like episode one, I do have a tool for you. I have a workbook for you to figure all of this out. I will explain more at the end of the episode. So let's get started. So I'm going to be talking about different things like size, energy level, shedding, grooming, things like that. And I'm going to use different breeds as examples, just so you can have an idea of what I'm talking about. But all of this doesn't just relate to if you're going to get a full bred dog. This relates in general, any dog that you're going to get, whether you're going to go and go to a breeder or you're going to head over to a shelter and find a mutt that has a full bred heart, it's just a good idea to have these general qualities, these general traits in mind. Because just like I mentioned in episode one, once you walk into that shelter, once you go visit the breeder, once you start looking online, you start looking at those dogs, you start looking at those puppies, and logic goes out the window. But you still want to make that decision that's best for your family and best for your dog, and it's going to create the best experience possible. I see it all the time, and I'm sure other trainers can agree that you have this wonderful family and this amazing dog but the fit just isn't right. You know, it's not a reflection on the family. It's not a reflection on the dog. It's just, it wasn't the best pairing. Some of these things I'm going to talk about, you might not care about. You might not care what size your dog is. You might not care what he looks like. Um, Or other things might be really important to you. The goal here is, is to find out which ones are important, which ones you don't care about. And that's also where the workbook that I designed for you comes in. Again, I'll explain more about that later. Also keep in mind as we go through these different qualities, these different traits that a lot of them are intertwined. And we'll talk about that as I go through them. So the first thing we're going to start with is size. Usually this is the one thing people go in and they know what they want. There's dogs that are two pounds. There's dogs that are over a hundred pounds. Now this there's a lot of different things that could drive this decision besides just preference is the amount of space you have. Smaller dogs tend to be a little less expensive to maintain. Of course, you know, depending on, you know, the specific dog in certain situations, smaller dogs, they eat less, they take up less space, they need smaller toys, smaller dog beds, and there's a price difference there. I mean, I know I go into the store to buy a dog for my girls who are 40 and 60 pounds, so they're considered medium to large size dog. And the difference between the bed I have to get for them and these small little beds, there's a big difference. 
medium to large-sized dogs, they tend to be a little more athletic. They're the ones you see doing the agility training and the different dog sports. You know, they're the ones that you might take on a hike or go for a run with. I mean, I've seen people do the, do that with their small dogs, but the the medium to large-sized dogs are the more the ones you think about. Um, they're also the larger dogs. When you get into the large dogs, like 80, 100 pounds, 120 pounds, the energy level actually starts to reduce because they're so big. They don't really need a lot of exercise to drain their energy. So if you think about a Great Dane, they just need a lot of physical room, but they don't need a lot of space to run around. It's definitely something to research, definitely something definitely something to look into. From my experience, size it just it comes down to personal preference, but it is something to think about. Another big one is energy level. As we talk about this, keep in mind that all puppies have a lot of energy no matter what breed you get. You have to be prepared for that puppy energy. And all dogs need exercise. The amount of exercise a dog needs once it becomes an adult is what varies. So there's the notorious labs and border collies who are full of energy. I know when I had my lab, the only thing that would tire him out is if I took him for a two, three mile run. Otherwise, I was playing fetch with him in the backyard for an hour in the morning, hour at night, taking him for a walk, and he was still looking to play. Border Collies are the same way. They are extremely smart and they are very driven and they have a lot of energy. So that's why you see them doing a lot of agility training, things like that, because they need that work. They need that job because they have a lot of energy. They're very driven and they're very smart. So they need to be stimulated this way. And then there's the other end of the spectrum where you have, you know, bulldogs who are notorious for snoring on your couch all day. Um, Chihuahuas are also very low energy dogs. Another one that you might not expect as much are greyhounds and whippets. Yes, they're runners. In fact, one of my favorite things in the world to do is watch a whippet run around my yard. They need that space. They love to run. But once they're done, they're making a little imprint on your couch. They are actually big couch potatoes. So this is definitely something to look into. I know that I have discovered the beauty of a medium energy dog. So we can go for hikes, we can go for runs, we can play in the backyard, but it's not overwhelming. And the rest of the day, she is sleeping on my couch. In contrast to my first dog, who was a lab, that I was not ready for the amount of energy that he had. Love him to death, but we struggled a lot in those first couple of years because I was not prepared for the energy level he had. I worked full time. In fact, I worked at a consulting firm, so it was it wasn't just nine to five. Sometimes it was you know nine to nine. Then I had this high energy lab at home that I needed to spend time burning off that energy and bonding with him. A dog with too much energy and that's not getting enough exercise for its energy level is the number one reason for behavioral problems. So that's why it's really important to look at and how much energy am I going to be able to handle and that will fit into my lifestyle. So as I briefly mentioned with uh, the Border Collie, training is also another thing to think about. Some dogs are really easy to train. Some dogs are stubborn. So if you are a new dog owner, this is one of the number one things I think you should look into because having that stubborn dog, beagles are notoriously stubborn. A lot of hound dogs 
which it's what we bred them for. Chow chows, I believe, are another one too. They're hunters, or beagles at least, are hunters, and we bred them to, you know, run out, find game on their own. So they're very independent dogs. So they're also very hard to train. Where on the other end, there's labs who are so eager to please. They want to do whatever their owner tells them. So they're super easy to train. There is a little correlation between these eager, trainable dogs and energy level. Okay, there, it's not every single dog who's easy to train has a high energy level, but there is there is a lot of, there is a correlation because their what's the word their drive to learn comes from their intelligence and their energy. Okay, they need that job, they need that activity to really make them happy physically and mentally. So again, if you're a new dog owner, I feel like this is one of the more important things to look in into because it's going to make a difference. That's going to be easy to teach the house rules and and bring them and fit them into your life. You know, these independent more independent separate dogs, dogs that really don't want to learn can be more of a challenge. So let's move on to the coat of a dog. So I'm talking about shedding and I'm talking about grooming. Usually this is the most important thing for whoever has to clean the house because there are all different levels of shedding. And one mistake that I made before I knew better, the length of the coat does not relate to how much the dog sheds. I figured when I got a lab, he wouldn't shed a lot because his they have short coats and anybody who has a lab is laughing at me right now because they know that within a day, you can sweep up your floors and have a whole nother dog, which is okay. I'm okay with that. I have, you know, two girls that shed. Of course, I always have a house full of dogs, but it's definitely something to keep in mind. Then there's the, um, if somebody has allergies, there are hypoallergenic dogs out there. That's something to research. I'm going to admit right now, I don't know a whole lot about it, but I have seen that not, there are no dogs that are truly hypoallergenic. So that's really something you need to, you need to research, especially if somebody has allergies at home, but there are dogs that have extremely minimal shedding. And then of course there are the ones that are in between. So, and then related to this is grooming. Something that was important to me was I want a dog I could throw in the bathtub, give a good brushing, and we're done. Other people love grooming their dog. And it is a bonding experience with the dog. So if you get one of the long-haired dogs, like a Shih Tzu, Pomeranian, and you want to take care of that coat, go for it. Because those dogs, they're very used to being handled and they're very used to being brushed. And it's a bonding thing. Or if you don't care about bringing them to the groomer and getting their hair cut there. You know, I have a friend who has a spaniel who every few weeks, he just brings the his dog to the groomer. They shave him down, they give him a bath, and they're done. Also something that I've learned recently is that different dogs, depending on their coat, either should be bathed more often or should not be bathed more often. Like labs have that oily coat because they're water dogs and they really should only be bathed when they really need it, when they're super dirty or they're starting to smell a little bit. Otherwise, like if you bathe them once a week, it's actually really bad for their coat. It dries it out. And then there's dogs on the other end where they need that bath once a week. So if that kind of maintenance is important to you, definitely something to look into. Another big and potentially very important one is kids. Uh, If a dog is kid friendly or not. Now, a 
big thing that's going to drive this is how a dog is socialized. If from when they're a puppy, if they're socialized with kids and taught how to behave with kids and also how the children are taught to be with the dog, then then that's going to make a really big difference. There are certain breeds that are notorious for being great with kids, like labs, like terriers, things like that. And then there's breeds who are notoriously not so great with kids. Like I know chihuahuas typically don't like kids or other small animals. But that doesn't mean if you have a child, you cannot have a chihuahua. You just might need to get a young one, a puppy, and have them get them well socialized. My grandmother had chihuahuas when I was growing up. And I remember one that he would sit on our lap and we would have to call my grandmother into the room to get him off our laps because if we tried to get up, he would growl and and snap at us. But then the next chihuahua she had was the friendliest, greatest thing in the world and loved us. So really a big one. This is a big one that depends on socialization, even though there are breeds that have a tendency towards one way or another. And it's also something to think about is if you have kids now, or if you're going to have kids in the future. For me, I don't have my own kids, but I have nieces and nephews that come here all the time because of course I have a yard full of dogs. So why wouldn't these kids want to come and visit? So it was still very important to me that my own dogs were also kid-friendly because I do have kids in my life. So this could, be, this could be one of the most important, like, deal-breaking things for you, or it could be, you know, one of those things that you just, it does not matter to you. Another trait that I want to bring up, because this is one of those that you might not think about beforehand, but once you have the dog and it starts happening, then all of a sudden it becomes a po- important. So I'm talking about noise, barking, and snoring. You guys might be laughing, but there are breeds like bulldogs, all the push nose breeds like bulldogs and pugs, they snore and they can snore pretty loud. When I have, um, I have a bulldog that comes here all the time and I have to laugh because he like, he, he'll sleep in a crate at night and he actually shakes the crate when he snores. It's, it's, I think it's adorable, but others might find it a little annoying and, and disruptive. The more obvious one is barking. All dogs are going to bark. I mean, there's those very rare breeds that don't don't bark, but all dogs are going to bark at some point. Some tend to bark more than others. I know we all have the vision of the small little yappy dogs that bark all the time, which I think that comes from there's a lot of small dogs who are also very territorial. Like I know Pomeradians are, tom- are, are territorial. Uh, Maltese's, I believe, are territorial. And they just, so if there's noises or if there's strangers or if there's dogs that they see or hear, they're going to bark. This, again, can be help. You can train them to not bark. But, but sometimes training can only go so far when it's like in their nature. So if you live in an apartment, a, a dog that is known for barking might not be your best bet. Um, another one are beagles. Beagles, we all know the beagle howl. Anybody who has a beagle and, you know, has a beagle out in the backyard and they find a possum or a raccoon and they start to howl, you know what I'm talking about. 
So I, since I just started to talk about it, um, we'll talk about territorial dogs. So that was actually something that was important to me because I don't live in the worst neighborhood in the world. I mean, it's really not that bad, but it's also not the best. I live on a main road and there's a lot of foot traffic because there's also apartments around me. So I wanted to make sure that people knew that I had a dog in the house. So I I wanted a bigger dog and I wanted a dog that was going to bark at strangers going by. I don't mind. I let them bark when, when they're out in the backyard and there's somebody on the sidewalk. And that might be something that's important to you one way or the other. You might want a dog that's going to let all the strangers, all the people in the house because you'd like to have guests. Or you might want to make people think twice of out ringing your front door. Just a little side note, because I don't think I've mentioned it yet, that um, in the show notes and in the um, workbook that is available for you, I did put in some resources where you'll be able to go and research these different traits and qualities, research different breeds, and also find others that might be important to you. It's just a couple links to some websites and a book that I use all the time that I felt were very useful. So I just have a couple more very simple ones. The next one is gender. So male or female. This is another one where most people, they don't care, but then some, they really, they want a male dog or they want a female dog. And if you research this a little bit, like if you Google, like what's the difference? Some people are like, there really is none. And other people have, have really strong opinions about it. So this is something you can research. The one thing I'm going to caution you on is if they're going to be around other dogs. So if you have a dog already, or if you know they're going to be around um, other dogs. For example, I have two girls. I have two female dogs. And my sister has been thinking about getting a new dog. And so she, I, I asked her and she's got, and she agreed that when she gets a puppy that she should try to get a male dog since I'm obviously gonna he's obviously gonna be around my dogs a lot my my dog's gonna be around hers a lot because she does watch one of my girls when I go away so it's just it's easier you want to get the opposite sex not saying that if you have a female dog or if they're gonna be around a female dog you cannot get another female dog or male male dogs just if there's gonna be a problem, usually it's between two dogs of the same sex. And the worst combination is actually two female dogs. A lot of people think it's two male dogs, but it's actually two female dogs have the hardest time getting along. Again, I'm not saying that if you have two female dogs, it's not gonna work, but if it's not gonna work, it can be a problem. And the last one is something that I don't think anybody really thinks about a lot, and that's your climate where you live. Whether you live in a hot climate or a cold climate, I'm here in New Jersey, so we get both. But you want to, there's a lot of dogs that are heat sensitive and a lot of dogs that are cold sensitive. In my experience, most dogs are more heat sensitive than cold sensitive. So what do I mean by that? It's if it, once it gets hot out, once it gets sunny out, you know, they have their thick fur coat and you have to watch the heat. Once it gets to a certain temperature, you know, they start to pant, they start to drink a lot of water, maybe they shouldn't be running around a whole lot, you know, maybe they should have shorter walks, and the same thing with the extreme cold. Cold-sensitive dogs tend to be low-body-fat dogs with a flat coat. So if you think of a greyhound or a whippet, which is, if you don't know what a whippet is, it's pretty much a small, looks like a small greyhound. I also, a lot of hounds who have that slim build and the flat coat 
um, are more sensitive to the cold. I know my one girl, Lucy, who had who is built like that, under 40 degrees, she does not want to go outside. Now, I do have a little fun with it where I have a lot of jackets for her. Her favorite is her Ewok jacket. Okay, that's my favorite, but I swear she likes it too. So I'm able to to help her that way. And I don't mind it. I love that she's cold sensitive because I'm cold sensitive and I don't want to be outside when it's under 40 degrees. So the fact that, you know, we're outside for maybe 20 minutes and she's like, I want to go back in. I have no problem with that. But then my other girl, Mariah, who she has a thicker coat. She's she's part German Shepherd. So she has that kind of coat and she's black. So the second it hits like 70 degrees and the sun's out, she's looking for the shade. All right. And also, if you think about um, Huskies or Great Pyrenees with that thick double coat, they're going to be super sensitive to the heat. You're really going to have to watch them. So the reason why I'm bringing this up is if you live in Arizona or in Florida, maybe these heat sensitive dogs aren't the best choice. I see so many labs when I go to Florida and those dogs are miserable 10 months out of the year because labs love the cold. They're built for the cold. I know when I had my two labs, they loved it. It was like 20 degrees out and they were like outside sunning themselves. It's something to keep in mind, you know, and on the opposite side, if you live in a predominantly cold atmosphere, you know, maybe getting a little chihuahua or a greyhound, maybe not the best. And if you live in a dual climate like I do, where you have four seasons, you know, maybe think about your own preferences. Like me, I would rather be outside in the heat than outside in the cold. So I would rather have a dog that's dragging me outside no matter how hot it is than a dog that's dragging me outside no matter how cold it is. Something to think about that maybe or maybe you didn't, maybe you don't care, maybe it doesn't matter to you. So that's all I have. I mean, there's a whole bunch of others to think about. Um, like if you want a water dog, if you're a big water person, maybe you want a dog who's going to love the water as well. That's something, that's something to think about. If you want to get into agility, if you want a dog you can exercise with, these are all different traits that you can think about before you actually go and pick out your dog. So you have an idea. Now, as I mentioned before, this isn't necessarily if you want to, you're going to pick a breed and that's the breed you're going to go with. It's more, I gave you those breeds as an example to give you a picture of what I was talking about. But this is just as important as if you're not looking for a certain breed, if you're just looking for a dog, to know that all these different traits are out there. That you can actually look for a dog that is low energy as opposed to high energy, that is going to be better with kids or... It's going to guard your yard better to, to really look at what's important to you. Of course, none of these are hard and fast rules. Um, labs are notoriously friendly and eager to please, but you can also find the do- a lab that's not so much. They're not friendly. Just like us, dogs are a result of nature first and nurture. Okay, it also, it depends on breeding practices, things like that. So these are just general ideas to keep in mind. And some of them you might care about, some of them you might not. And that brings me to the workbook and the tool that I have for you. So you can go to the show notes, playtimepause.com forward slash episode two. That's the number two, playtimepause.com forward slash episode two. And you can request 
this tool that I've built for you. It's, it's a workbook, it's a PDF, and it brings you through each of the traits that I talked about. And then I give you room to come up with your own traits that might be important to you. And not only do you pick what your ideal situation would be, but then you also decide, well, how important is this to me? You know, like, all right, I want a large dog, but is that really important? Like, is that a deal breaker? And then I give you an area to figure out what's what's your priority, what's on your wish list that you would like but not so important, and what are deal breakers. Like the dog has to get along with kids. The dog has to, you know, be okay with the heat because I, you know, live because I live in Arizona. So there's room to do that. And then um, within the work- workbook and within the show notes, I give you a bunch of resources where you can now then go research what type of dog should I be looking for? Because these are the traits that are important to me. Okay, so thank you for sticking with me. That is all I have for you today. If you haven't already, you can listen to episode one as well, which kind of goes along with this one. I talk about the five important questions to ask to see if you're ready for a dog. I also have a tool to help you move through those those five questions. And the reason why I'm giving you these tools in these workbooks, I had a lot of fun putting them together for you. But I just feel like when you when something's in front of you, and you have to like write things down, it's it's the best way to like be truly honest with yourself and really make these decisions. Because when you kind of think about them in your head, you can push things aside and you really don't fully think about them. So that's why I think they're they're a really great resource for you. Okay, so if you have any comments, any questions, feel free to go to the show notes. Again, that's playtimepause.com forward slash episode two and leave any questions, leave any comments. And I will talk to you guys soon. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to your new puppies podcast. Learn more about us at playtimepause.com.